0: It's been two years since the COVID-19 lockdowns began and I think most of us would like to put all that behind us. I don't want to diminish the pain because of death and because of lost income and other suffering that was experienced over the last two years. Some people are still suffering. However, I think we can all agree that despite the suffering that many people experienced, some good things have come out of this pandemic. We know of the many blessings that we've seen, but in particular, I want to focus on some changes that were forced upon our churches that perhaps we should not change back, starting with hospitality. How great was it to greet people at the door and ask them their names? Please, let's continue doing that. I can't begin to count all the great conversations I had as a result and how many new people we met. Next, outreach, please, I hope all priests start spending less time in administration and other parish maintenance duties and spending more time going for walks, visiting people at home, and even phoning people. I can also add that live streaming Mass or doing any other online outreach is great for reaching to the community that doesn't always come to Mass. Lastly, let's not forget that there are still people who are sick, who are afraid of getting sick, and some who are still dying. This pandemic may be over, but COVID-19 is here to stay. Let's make sure that our compassion, charity, and care for all is also here to stay. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and here with me is Billy Chan yeah
1: i will try to avoid to
0: say i am billy Chen. <laughs> well you you can you can Pe- people know who you are um no i just said it <laughs> so so billy are you uh, how are you feeling about not having to wear a mask anymore
1: um i am uh i i i, st- I will still wear a mask when i go to like grocery store the big box yeah uh, so you you know those, but you know if I go to a restaurant, I will. I I don't think I will because it just sounds like I wear a mask and then I go in, and then I sit down and take and it off. I yeah, take it off. So just do not want to waste more resources on that. Right.
0: Um. We haven't had no masks in church yet, but starting this weekend in 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 the archdiocese, we don't have to wear masks in church. Are you going to continue wearing a mask at church?
1: Yes, but because I I I still hear a lot of people coughing in the church.
0: (laughs) There's always people coughing at church. But
1: you know, uh, you know, coughing doesn't mean it depends on how long
0: depends on how long the homily is. When the homily starts getting (laughs) too long, then people start coughing.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I will still wear a mask, uh, just to, you know, maybe it's it's just to have a peace of mind. So I I, I just try to I mean, I've
0: found, have you found in your parish that people are not, I mean, we don't have to physically distance anymore. Are people still distancing or are, are you yes. getting more people?
1: You know, that's, that's weird. I, I, um, I went to like a restaurant, uh, yesterday. I just went to a yes. restaurant without a mask and, you know, people are still like, uh, distancing. Trying to stay I distance mean, you know you know so that uh, you know I think it's a new norm right now. yeah, I think we've we got distance used to it. physically distancing people and I yeah. think
0: people are also being respectful of other people and how you know like I went I went into a coffee shop yesterday to get a, a coffee and uh-huh. uh, I walked in wearing a mask because I wasn't sure but the woman at okay. the counter was not wearing a mask but as soon as I walked in she she asked me, Would you like me to put on my mask? And I said, no 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 I'll take mine off. So so but there was nobody else in that coffee shop it was a little place. So but this so is a th- good
1: gesture. You know, we
0: Yeah, we, I think everybody's being people. very respectful about that. Yeah. Now how about other changes in the in your church have there been have, have has your church begun going back to the way things were before? Or Oh, you know,
1: yes. Like, first of all, the church is full. So yes. people Great. came back that's a good sign i still remember um, in the ash wednesday the priest was just so happy yes and he, because he's, he finally got to see a lot of people and full of people on the benches yes right? so yes i is very good i think uh, everything got back except for um the priest uh, keep still keep not shaking hands at okay. the end Okay. Okay. So I think it's it's good too because he doesn't want to like, you know, trans transfer virus or jams. Yeah, you be know. careful.
0: Now, mm-hmm. do you have uh? Are your altar servers back or not yet? No, not yet. Not yet. And how about communion on the tongue?
1: Uh, no, not yet.
0: Okay, so we've been told that by Easter we will be able to start doing communion on the tongue, and uh, we're going to okay. start bringing our altar servers back. And uh, the deacon is now starting to do what we used to do in terms of preparing the altar. And uh, so slowly, I think we're getting back. Um, yeah. I just... And I
1: think, you know, we still need to have patience. So yes. we still need to keep keep give people time to adjust. Yes. Sometimes we still wear masks, like what you just said in the coffee shop. Sometimes we... We still, you know, when people keep the distancing, just respect them. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, it's I, know, just, I know, I know um, it, it's all good.
0: <laughs> I look forward to listen to uh, from our listeners, because I know in a lot of places, churches have already been opened and maybe they're already um, have gotten rid of all restrictions. So so we'll see how how other people are doing um, today. Billy Danny Torquia is going to be back. He's going to continue his uh, media ministry tips uh, with his little series that he's been doing, consu- comparing what it means to be a consumer. Uh, with being a priest, so consumers versus priests. And then you have a question.
1: Yes, I have a question. Uh, He's getting to to Easter soon, and I have a question about baptism.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Baptism, always good. Um, Now, you know, Billy, that next week, uh, uh, the Canadian bishops are taking a, a delegation of indigenous people to meet with pope francis from canada
1: a lot of people are waiting for that
0: yeah so um and i'll be traveling uh to rome so i'll be there so that that'll be exciting now um today we're going to be joined by father christino bouvet who's a priest of the diocese of calgary he is italian on his mother's side but on his father's side he is cree and metis so he Mm -hmm. has a very interesting perspective as a as a as a catholic priest who has indigenous heritage um but of course, he will have a very specific perspective as to the importance of the meetings that are going to take place in Rome next week um, and the whole process of reconciliation. So we're going to be speaking with Father Cristino Bouvette, uh in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be reconnecting with Nick and Nikki Garza, uh, a married couple, singer, songwriters. They We met them in February 2021, so about a year ago. Um, and they've been doing a lot of writing and recording new music. So it's a good excuse to get to reconnect with them. There's there's some good music. So we're going to get nice. to hear lots of really good music uh, today. Love music. From Nick and Nikki Garza. So that's in about 35 minutes in our second half hour. And again, if people are not able to stay and listen to the whole show, be sure to go to our website, slmedia.org. You can podcast the show there. You can also listen to this program wherever you get your podcasts. Um, okay, Billy, you ready? I am ready. Okay, so let's start with a song. Here are Nick and Nikki Garza with their single, Because of You. was Nick and Nikki Garza with their single, Because of You, and we're going to be speaking with Nick and Nikki Garza in about 30 minutes, so I hope that you'll still be around for that. And now it's time for Consumers versus Priests with Danny Porquia. Danny, welcome back. You have some good uh, insights and lessons for us today. I do.
2: Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Well, today I thought I would introduce you to a friend of mine named Linda, with whom I worked for many years. But Linda doesn't really exist.
0: Okay. Who's Linda?
2: Well, so, you know, for many years, uh, I was working with a large, really large global organization. And I was introduced to Linda. And, And Linda was not a real person, but she was an archetype of our consumer. And everybody around the table, and I'm talking about a multicultural global table, uh-huh. with a lot of money um, at the table. Uh, we were all focused with our end goal being help Linda, make sure that Linda at the end of the year comes into our store and consumes more per visit per basket Okay. Uh, at our store. Okay. And it sounds benign. Yeah. It sounds kind of fun. A little bit like gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody needs objectives, right? Mm-hmm. But but what I wanted to talk to your audience and you, Deacon, was, you know, marketing is can be good in its very nature. I don't know if you thought of that.
0: No. Your, uh, your... uh, I guess I have, but tell me more before I answer. Tell me more.
2: Yeah. Well, because so so I've been in the business for a long time. And when you when you commit your whole life to something, you start wondering, is this what I'm doing good? Is what I'm doing purposeful? Yeah. Helpful. Well, marketing is very good when you're meeting an unmet need. And that is a definition worthy of repeating. Okay, that yes. I learned at, that I learned at McGill University in Montreal growing up uh, in marketing, which was marketing is essentially meeting unmet needs. Doesn't that sound lovely?
0: Okay. Yeah. But I, that's think? not how. Yeah. Interesting. Because that's not how I would have defined marketing. Right. So I'm surprised but, that you learned that in school.
2: I'm so happy I learned that at McGill, at the school, at university, because it, it makes sense. And that's when you get sustainable businesses that, that that really meet a need where everybody's excited because we're meeting an unmet need. Yeah. Now, ideally, it's a virtue, not a vice, because pornography and other there's other needs that might right. be false right. and erroneous right. and driven by a, an alternative force, if you know what right. I mean. But a
0: supermarket is selling food because that's, I mean, that's probably an obvious one,
2: right? Yeah. But I think of Joseph a lot, you know, let's say he was building chairs or tables or or nightstands. Those are needs, valid needs, even pizza. I work with pizza. I work with ice cream. Great needs. Yes. Um, And and so meeting unmet needs. I love it. Glorious. I think all people can support that, but where Linda comes into play is that it's an example of when we used to meet and we used to all work together different companies I'm in PR the other person's in marketing advertising mm-hmm. packaging you know pricing forecasting and we're all we're not we're not meeting to service the needs of the consumer our goal was to make sure the consumer consumes more at all costs okay. and we would develop strategies products initiatives to make sure that we meet our goal. And that's where the old adage, you know, there's a new sucker born every day. What can we do to, to get people addicted? What can we do to make sure we meet? Because the goal, well, the end was really um, all so, consuming and was to rate, make more money at all costs.
0: So not just to provide Linda with the things that she needs, but giving, making sure that Linda is purchasing th- things that she doesn't really need.
2: Well, it, it didn't matter our method the key was our objective was to make sure that she spends more at all cost i mean and so we were all aligned to that so when you go home at night you're not thinking did i help linda satisfy her unmet needs okay the goal you'd go home saying did i meet my objective of making sure linda spends
0: right okay so and you're saying that that is a deviation from the original purpose of marketing which is sounds like i, I was going to say that it sounds like it would have been more priestly and less consumerly.
2: Right. Well, so we need people, you're right, to to come into meetings and to say, well, wait a second. Can we uh, reset our objectives so that it's sustainable? Because if Linda's just consuming, and ultimately we're not sure if she really needs these things. We're not sure if she really is going home happy, but we know that we've sold her uh, goods, but we just don't follow Linda's, um, needs, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it creates this whole groupthink, peer pressure, and 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 greed that I think we as Catholics and consumers need to f- go back to a little bit more priestly and demand uh, a more educated consumer. And not fall prey to these tactics.
0: Do you do you see that that's the problem with certain social media platforms? That their focus is just to get people to watch the videos, get people to click on the link, get people to to spend more time playing that video game or, or spend more time on that social media platform, regardless of what they need. Because right. the more time you spend on it, the more advertising their money they're going to get.
2: Well all those platforms are meant to capture your interest uh, and, and a lot of times in order to sell you but but fortunately those there's some analytics and there's some algorithms or programs that are actually aligning to your needs right Be- or your interests y- your interests that's not certainly. so bad yeah yeah, yeah. Based so on- that's not that's yeah. an improvement as long as they don't enter into your private moments like as long as there's no recording of your voice and your private conversations and there's some privacy but 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 certainly what the the goal is for us to be educated to know that we don't necessarily need to listen to all the sales messages
0: right so then because they
2: they're, they're directed in the wrong
0: manner so what would you say is our takeaway to today then other than we just met linda
2: well marketing can be good we need uh small medium sized companies and entrepreneurially minded people to go into marketing functions or entrepreneurial positions and bring back the fact that if you want a sustainable business, let's listen to the consumer, let's listen to their needs, and then let's stay committed to satisfying those needs. And then you will make a profit, but don't yeah. make profit the end goal.
0: Right. Okay. I want to continue this conversation and maybe, maybe when we get together for the Easter episodes, as we're thinking about Easter and sacraments and there's going to be baptisms because I want to. You've made me think about the whole idea of what it means to be a consumer and what are the things that we're consuming? And is it okay to see ourselves as consumers of the word or scripture or sacraments, for example? And 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 maybe that's a conversation that we can have next time. What do you think? That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. we be happy to. Okay. So Danny's going to be back and we're going to continue this conversation um, just because we like Linda and, and we want her to stick around um thank you danny for introducing us you to linda and for bringing this to to our attention today danny torquia he's the managing director of torquia communications you can follow him on twitter at dan torquia and you can learn more at his website dialogueandgrace.com. hey
3: everybody it's marie miller and you're listening to the salt and light hour with deacon pedro
0: the Salt and Light Hour podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has a question about baptism.
1: Yes, before that, can I announce the news first?
0: Yeah, oh, what's the news?
1: Yes, because I, I just want to tell everyone that my parents are going to get baptized in this coming
4: oh, Easter.
1: Wonderful. So I really hope you all can pray for them. Yes, uh, and and I I I'm I'm just very happy on that. So that's why my question this week is about baptism.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So so prayers to Billy's parents, everybody, and uh, what's the question about baptism?
1: Okay. So um, because you know I because of my parents getting baptized, uh, I I was asked that a lot of different questions okay because I, I need to go through that process again I yes. mean you know I, with them right that's so right because you me, were
0: okay. sorry because yeah. you were you were baptized
1: when you were what 10 years old or so when I was yeah 10 9 yeah. 10 years old yeah. yeah okay so you yeah so I need to get you know that the process again for example when the church asked my parents can you get a Christian names?" so okay uh, uh, so this is um uh Interesting, because I have never thought of, ah, you know, it's just so natural that everyone have a Christian name. Uh, my name, okay, there's no St. Billy, as you may know. Uh, I hope there will be soon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> after you die. But,
1: but my Christian name is Joseph. So I okay uh, St. Joseph. But uh, my question is, why do we need to get a Christian name and how important it is to um, what kind of name we okay uh, we, okay we
0: can okay so you, you the the short answer is you do not need a christian name oh no and i think you see that more in certain cultures um but it's not it's not tradition i mean the idea with baptism um is that you're starting a new life right mm. so so the the new name is symbolic of this new life that you're starting but it's not common, in fact, when, when, when children are baptized as babies, it's not common that they take on a, on a new name. They just are given their names. Now, yeah. in some places, when people are confirmed, they, they take a confirmation name, and that's usually the name of a saint like St. Joseph, um, and in and, and a lot of places, children, uh, students are, are taught that they should pick a Saint that inspires them, and then that becomes their Saint name, but it's not required, you do not need oh, a new name.
1: Wow, okay, that's, that's really, really good news. Now, the other uh, thing you need to think about is Godparents, so okay. it's very tough to actually get my parents, I got, I got parents, you know, but the thing is, how, uh, why do we need to get a Godparents? And how many can we get? Like yeah. two or one? Okay, so yeah. Or a sponsor. A, what does a sponsor to you? Yeah, so I
0: would say the sponsor for confirmation, godparent for baptism, it's the same thing. It's the same role. Um, historically, the godparent, historically, when people were baptized, they needed someone who was a Catholic, who was already a Christian to vouch for them. Mm-hmm. So that was the role of the godparent. To say yes, I know Billy. He's he's good. He's honest. He's faithful, oh. and and they would vouch for them. And then then that person would also kind of sort of accompany you as you as you
1: grow uh,
0: as you learn about the faith exactly, mm-hmm. and as you grow after you were baptized. Um, people who do RCIA today, like your parents, they would have had their sponsors with them throughout the whole catechumenate process, right? Yep. Um, yep. Going to the meetings and being with them as they do the scrutinies and as they do all the all the all the of the elect and all that the exactly. sponsor is there by their side. With baptism, it's a little different because we tend to baptize uh, people as babies and it's all done in at, at the same time. So, but the role is still the same. The godparent is there to to, vow, to 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 vouch for the person, but also when people are baptized as babies, the godparent is there to to support the parents. And then there is a tradition, and I think there's a little bit of truth to this, that if something ever happened to the parents, that the godparent would take the place, not, not in taking care of the child necessarily, but in, in taking care of the faith formation of the child. So in so fact- So it's
1: it, a huge responsibility. It is a big
0: responsibility. Um, and I don't think a lot of people don't really understand it or take it seriously. Now the catechism, it, actually it's in the catechism number 1255, it says that- uh, that the, for, baptism, for the grace of baptism to unfold, the parents need to help. So it's the parents who are, who are teaching the faith to the child. It's the parents who are making the promises, the baptismal promises on behalf of the child. But the godfather or godmother um, are there to support the parent because it's a hard thing to, to, to bring someone up in the faith. Um, so the godfather or godmother should be Catholic. I mean, they need to be Catholic. They need to be confirmed um and they're actually it's it's a it's a i would say it's like a ministry i mean if you really take Mm -hmm. your role as godparent seriously it's a ministry where you will accompany that child and and be that person that's going to help them along in their faith journey
1: so we shouldn't like choose a godparents uh just because of we are very close to them yes you know because of under pressure under stress exactly uh, exactly good friends and things like that and that's exactly so we need
0: to that's mm-hmm. commonly what happens. That's commonly what happens that you find someone because you want to give them this honor, or auntie, or whatever, or my aunt. Or, but it should be. I mean, I think it should be someone that's close to the family. But it should be that person that's close to the family who is practicing their faith, who's deep in the faith, who can actually help the parent in 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 the faith journey of that child. So you, yeah. Billy, you could be the the godparent for both your parents. You could really? be the sponsor for I'm both. i the son. Them. Yeah, you could be. You could be, as long as you're, as long as you're confirmed and you're over the age of 16, you can be a godparent and you only need one. Okay. So you only need one. Um, You can have two. And I think if both are God, if both are Catholic, both their names will be in the baptismal certificate, but you only Mm -hmm. need one who's Catholic. And then if there are others, so you could have another sponsor Mm -hmm. who, and I'm doing quotes, sponsor who is not a Catholic. It's called a oh. Christian, a Christian witness. Those okay. names will not be on the certificate. But a lot of people, sometimes I baptize children, and half the family is not Catholic. They have one Catholic godparent, and then maybe two or three others who are not Catholic, and they could be Christian witnesses. If you have more than two who are Catholic, only two of the names will go in the certificate on the certificate.
1: I see, I see. Wow. Okay. So um, I have my last, last yep. simple question here. Um, because, you know, everyone is going to, uh, we are going to invite a lot of different people to the celebration,
4: to yes. the ceremony.
1: So, um, how should we dress and how the candidates should dress? Um,
0: uh, well, I think you should dress the way you would dress to go to mass. Um, and I know some people like to wear shorts and flip-flops to mass, but you shouldn't. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, d- dress like you would dr- dress at mass um, it is a tradition that the person that is being baptized wears white because mm-hmm. the white in fact there's a prayer during the baptism ceremony about the white garment because you're taking on this new life in Christ and that's that's what the white garment symbolizes so it is tradition that you wear white uh, people who are being confirmed a lot of times they're given a white gown afterwards but babies, tend to be baptized with uh, already wearing white. I don't know what your parents, in their case, what they would do because they're being baptized and confirmed and making their first communion at the same time. So so they will probably wear something nice and then be maybe given a white robe uh, at the time of confirmation.
1: Yeah, you know what? My mom has already got a, a new white dress, so <laughs> Yeah she's <gonna laughs> they are going to dress beautiful. as white.
0: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. But you don't have to wear white, Billy. You can wear a nice suit.
1: I'm just very happy. I I will I will wear the most beautiful, handsome. I will be a very handsome guy. <laughs> very handsome
0: and very happy. Um, congratulations, Billy, to you Thank and you. to your parents. And we will all continue praying for Billy's parents and for all who are uh, uh, preparing to uh, be received into the church at Easter this time. Thank you, Billy. Those are great questions. Thank you, Pedro. Billy Chan always asking good questions. You can follow him at the Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with indigenous Catholic priest Father Cristino Bouvet, and we reconnect with Nick and Nikki Garza, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the and Light Hour, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. As you know, next week, Canadian bishops will be in Rome with a delegation of residential school survivors, elders, knowledge keepers, and Indigenous youth meeting with Pope Francis. This is an initiative that has been in the works for several years now. To get a unique perspective, last week I spoke with Father Cristino Bouvet. On his father's side, Father Cristino, from the Diocese of Calgary, Alberta, is of Cree and Metis heritage. Father Cristino, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
4: Deacon, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be with you. It is good to
0: be with you. So uh, for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who is Father Christina Bouvet.
4: Well, I'm a Catholic priest of the Diocese of Calgary. I was ordained just under 10 years ago, right here in the city of Calgary, though I was raised in southeastern Alberta in a small city called Medicine Hat. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, had all my uh, childhood experiences there, though my family hails from uh, all over central and southern Alberta where my father was raised and it is on his side that I actually have indigenous heritage through my Cree grandmother who is a residential school survivor herself and my Métis grandfather.
0: And did you grow up with with that identity kind of being part of the family or was that something that was not something that was that apparent growing up?
4: I would say that it did not feature as predominantly as my Italian heritage on my mother's side. Mm -hmm. And the reason being for that, I think, is my mother stayed at home with us. My father worked. Uh, She grew up speaking Italian. She didn't even speak English on her first day of school in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, She knew how to cook Italian food. Her parents, my nonna and nonno, lived around the corner from us and I grew up there all the time. So naturally, that was a a very predominant feature in my cultural Mm -hmm. heritage and background. Uh, but as I continued to grow and get older, and especially, I was probably on the tail end, or not the tail end, but the beginning of Indigenous culture being introduced into our curriculum and public education. Okay. As that started to become more and more the case, I was also made more and more aware that that was part of who I was as well. But it wasn't until I was much older, uh, preparing to enter the seminary, and then even after I was ordained a priest, that I really uh, dug into learning more about, my heritage uh, from my kokum herself. Kokum is the Cree word for grandmother. And so I spent a lot of time with her, uh, learning more about that part of our history and learning about her history as having been a residential school student.
0: Right. Did you struggle? Like, How was that conversation with your kokum when you told her that you were going going into seminary?
4: It's interesting because it happened in kind of two stages. Uh, First of all, there was the situation that when I went to the seminary, I just expected that my very devout Christian grandmother was going to love this and be very supportive of it, which she was, I didn't think anything twice about that, but it was only from in the seminary, as I began learning a little bit more of Canadian church history. And I became aware as I, unfortunately, shamefully, I was not yet aware Hmm. just how integrated the residential school system was in the Catholic uh, hierarchy and institution of the church in Canada. Once I became aware of that affiliation, I had a bit of a second thought and probably after my second year, I sat down with coping once when we were, we were peeling potatoes together and mm-hmm. helping get the supper ready up at the farm. So I asked her if it, if it upset her or burdened her to imagine that her grandson might become a Catholic priest, given the Catholic church's affiliation with the residential school system and knowing that she suffered in it, but she was, remarkably gracious and just said no i've known many good nuns and priests and i know you would be one of those yeah so she was there front row of my ordination sitting right beside my nonna my two grandmothers (laughs) and they were on cloud nine just beaming to see their grandson become a priest
0: so as you learn more about the legacy of the residential school system um as now an ordained priest how, how do you how do you reconcile the, that history and, and what the church really is, the church that you have gotten to know as a priest? Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I, first of all, look to the example of my Kokum, who I think, uh, you know, Catholicism is very incarnational, right? And mm-hmm. so I think she was, in a way, an incarnation of what reconciliation looks like because she reconciled many things in herself. Uh, but she did so by the power of Christ and the faith that she had in him. And so to know that she found it within herself to experience reconciliation on many fronts, it, it assured me that I would be able to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so, what I have tried to do is recognize that, at least through Catholic sacramental theology and tradition, my identity as a priest is one as being a man of reconciliation. That is, What we are meant to do as Christ reconciled all of humanity to the Father, and we as priests stand in the person of Christ, my ministry is one of reconciliation, in general, Mm -hmm. uh, then to see that the parts of the church's history, through, through error or imprudence, or just sheer evil, in some instances, were contrary to the church's mission then that needs to also find a way to be reconciled. And Mm -hmm. it can only be reconciled by humbly acknowledging what wrong needs to be acknowledged, but then unequivocally committing to making it right. And so there's nothing I can do to fix everything on the, the broad spectrum where there continues to be pain and division or scandal, but I can make sure that I am contributing towards The reconciliation that Christ came to bring us all. And if I can do that, it requires that that reconciliation has happened first in me. And so I really do embrace my identities as both a man of indigenous heritage and a Catholic priest. Because if Kokum can show me that she can be a devout Christian woman who has no axe to grind against the church later in her life, I can be a Catholic priest uh, and not be a contrary to or opposing my indigenous mm. heritage.
0: In that in that journey of reconciliation because it is a journey how important is it that indigenous people travel to Rome to speak with the holy father?
4: I think that I've always been careful to say that when we talk about indigenous people we always have to remember that we are describing a collective identity with something that does bring them together mm-hmm. but that we are talking about individuals as well. And mm-hmm. so there are some individuals for whom they would say that they don't need this. Some who would say they feel they've already received what the church has to offer and that this isn't anything new to them. My mm-hmm. like cochum was one of those people. Uh, she right. she wasn't waiting in her lifetime. She only died in 2019. She mm-hmm. wasn't expecting an apology from the Pope. We had a long conversation about that one time. Yeah, But there are others who feel that they haven't had the recognition reconciliation that they need and this encounter will be emblematic of a chapter closing for them personally Uh, but what we have to remember is that as individuals that that capacity to move forward to choose to forgive to accept uh, the extension of uh, the side of the church towards reconciliation will have to be their individual choice.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I love that you said that you're a priest of reconciliation. And I think that every priest should have that attitude. I mean, for us, reconciliation is a sacrament. Um, we don't usually think of apology as part of that reconciliation as a sacrament. But in this context, context, it seems that apology is important. How important is it that there's an apology from the Holy Father?
4: I think that for those who are, have certainly been waiting to hear one, When they receive it, it must be for them what they consider to be the first step in them being able to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so if there remains an obstacle for those who either did not personally hear or experience the formulations of what we might call the expressions of sorrow, if we don't want to call them apologies, of both Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI in the past, Mm -hmm. then perhaps on this instance, it it will suffice for that for them. But I also also don't feel comfortable insisting that there is only one way forward for everybody to experience reconciliation, because I know that there are different places along the journey where other people already are, who without an apology, as it's potentially going to be formulated by Pope Francis, have already arrived there, Mm -hmm. either because of the previous apologies that we have heard from just the Canadian bishops, from the Oblate Order, from Popes John Paul II and Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. But for those for whom this one would or could be that that step to help them move in that direction for their own healing and freedom and peace, then I think we can welcome that and await to see what the Holy Father has to offer.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are going to be watching Rome next week. Um, and you're right, maybe it is up to the church to do whatever we need to do to make sure that everyone can be reconciled in whatever way they need to. Um, Father Cristino, thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us today.
4: It's an honor. Thank you for having me on.
0: Father Cristino Bouvet is a priest in the Diocese of Calgary, Alberta. You can learn more about all these issues and watch Salt and Light Media's coverage of the meetings between the Indigenous delegation and Pope Francis on our television network and online at eslmedia.org. Here now are our featured artists of the week, Nick and Nikki Garza, with their single, You Are Jesus. That was Nick and Nikki Garza with their single, You Are Jesus. In February 2021, we met Nick and Nikki Garza. They're a married couple from Phoenix, Arizona. They are music ministers at their parish, St. Benedict Catholic Church. And in their spare time, they compose and record worship music. Over the last year, they've been particularly busy with lots of new music. Uh, that we've been listening to, and so it's time to reconnect and to see what's new with them, Nick and Nikki. Welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour.
3: Hi. I How don't know are you. are
0: you, you, probably tired of me saying that you you guys have been so busy, but I seriously, I don't know. Other than people that have been specifically working on an album, like you guys are just writing stuff, r- arranging stuff, recording stuff, putting out singles. Um yeah. So so what's changed? How come you do all of a sudden have more time pandemic is well, over. What's going on?
3: Well, right now we are, we're currently, we're no longer at St. Benedict. so we left okay. St. Benedict, and right now we're just um, our lady of Mount Carmel in Tempe, Arizona um, asked us to lead their Sunday 5.00 PM mass. Okay. So basically um, we have a lot less on our plate. And so right now we're just, we just feel calling for it and we're just really going for it. To uh, because in the past we released you know one or two three songs max a year so right yeah. now we're just trying to get as much recording done as possible um in this uh in this time right now so we're just yeah. that's why we're just we're just going hard we're going for it right now <laughs> well just- i
0: know and i i guess i sorry i got the parish wrong um but uh does it are you still primarily like is the, the 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 parish ministry your main focus and you're primarily writing music to use at mass or in worship <laughs> exactly. is that still <laughs> your focus
3: yeah that's still what we're doing yeah
0: and you're doing a lot of because I know that you you one of your passions was to 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 set uh psalms to music do psalm settings is that still yeah. a focus
3: yes and we're gonna we're gonna have more psalms coming out um pretty soon here mm-hmm. and um, like I said, we are we have so much lined up, and we are just going to town right now. So I know,
0: I know. So okay, so tell me. So um so you're in the process of recording all a whole bunch of songs that are going to be f- part of an EP. Tell me about that, Nikki. Why don't you tell me about that?
5: Okay. um Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna be putting together um, an EP with all of our new stuff on there, and um, hopefully uh, release them as, as singles on Spotify and um, yeah, we're just trying to get everything new out there that no one's heard yet, and we're really excited about you are Jesus, and because of you, and we have Ave Maria, um, and then we have a new song coming out on Friday um, um, on March
0: 25th. Yes, feast of the yeah. feast of the Annunciation.
5: Yeah, so <laughs> uh, we are we recorded um, only in God. Um, John Michael Talbot actually wrote it. Yes, he's one of twos. These are one of our favorites. And mm-hmm. so, um, we, we did that, we recorded that and, and really excited about that cover. Yeah,
0: so one of the greats, and, and we're not getting to play it on the show today, but I did get a chance to hear it. Thanks to Nick and Nikki. And it is a wonderful <laughs> arrangement. And I think you're right. I mean, everybody thinks that John Michael is, is one of the greats and, uh, and it's a great song. Now tell me you also, th- what's the deal with CCLI and Novum, Novum publishing? There's, there's a, is it a mass setting that you've written?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a mass setting that's. Um, we're currently also in the process. In addition to the EP, we're also in the process of getting that all recorded, and so um, Novum Publishing, uh, based in Texas, Texas, uh, they've been gracious enough yeah. to publish it, and they're going to get it on CCli, so it's available to churches across the country, um, uh, sheet music and whatnot. So Wonderful. we're also working on that. It's called Mass of the Holy Presence and we're really excited about it. Yeah,
0: so Mass of the Holy Presence and do you have a timeline for that and, and this like it'll be this year that the mass will be available?
3: Yes. Yes, yes. yes. in the next couple months. Yes.
0: Okay. I always find and th- this this doesn't diminish from people who compose music that is not used in liturgy, but I find that it that is so practical to write stuff for liturgy and I would assume that because you guys are doing this every week at mass yeah. You get to try the songs and maybe perfect them. So, is that part of how you kind of compose that you sort of try things out in liturgy?
3: Yeah. Um. Yes and no. I mean, the psalms are like what, um, is every weekend. Yeah. You know. Usually have
5: every weekend. Yeah.
3: And then um, other songs for mass, uh, we usually try to base it on like the readings for a certain weekend or or something generalized, like a communion song. You know. Um. But the mass setting. What we felt was, uh, um, what we felt called to do with the massing was to really find something to where, the reason we call it the Mass of the Holy Presence is we really wanted something to sound like, you know, kind of like when you watch a movie and it gets to like a serious part and somebody's crying or somebody's yelling or something like that, but the music in the background, it supports that, you know, and we really wanted something that supported, you know, the presence um during mass the the, the reverence that that mm. feeling and um and we, we really feel like um we uh, we did our best to uh to do yeah. that you know uh, nothing I, against some of these mass no, days,
0: no 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 I I, I I i think i know what you're saying and and it's you're not the first people to talk about how that you know that there's a soundtrack to the mass yeah. obviously the music has to support the main action of the liturgy but i i i think that i also find sometimes that for me mass is a worship event and people don't i think that there's a disconnect for some people there and if the okay. music doesn't feel like like i think that the music needs to feel like it's worship music adoration music and exactly. and, and i'm hoping that that's what you were going for yeah that's
6: what we're going for that's
3: exactly we didn't want you know cuz sometimes it's almost like a, it can be a almost like a disconnect from the mass when we're you know the holy holy pops up and then it's like yeah i
0: know exactly you
3: know it's like we didn't want that anymore we wanted everything to be connected and
0: um, a
5: nice flow and yeah it's like a
0: a massive adoration i guess in a a
5: sense yeah
0: exactly so so um nikki tell me about the ave maria because again it's a song that everybody knows why was it important to to do a setting uh sorry to record that that song for you guys
5: um, it's it's just one of our favorites and, and um we get asked to do it a lot. And um a friend of ours, um, his name is Gene, and he has been so supportive of us and it's it's his favorite song. So we told him that we would do that for him at some point. Aww. And um we just we 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 just love that song. And so we that was our like our first uh, song recently that we did, and then we we made a video for it as well. Yeah, because we kept getting compliments about it or like
3: you
0: know what, maybe we should record it, like you know, maybe yeah, you, made it, you made it your own. I mean, that's what's beautiful about doing arrangements. Right. And, and you've, you've, you've Garza, Garza it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Now,
6: tell,
0: yeah. Yeah. Tell me something about the kids. Cause last time we spoke, uh, I think you, you mentioned your oldest daughter and she was maybe giving you feedback. I guess they're a little older now. Are they starting to participate yeah. a little more in, in this, any of these processes? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. Um, our oldest and Adina, um, I mean, all of them are coming into her, their own slowly but surely with music. But our oldest and Adina, I mean, she's
0: yeah, like,
3: walking around the house singing everything, yeah. and, and she's really interested in all kinds of music. It's we think it's so cool. Um, she, I don't, I don't think she really knows anybody who's too like now now, but like she knows like Whitney Houston, Celine yeah. Dion, right? And, uh, and We're she,
5: showing her all of our influences yeah all the good music <laughs> all, the, yeah.
3: all the greats yeah, yeah. in our I mean, yeah, yeah. She, I, I set up a spotify account for her and i saw her through, uh some songs she was listening to and she was listening to like a Bet mitler song and i was like
0: whoa <laughs> well so those like, are the like, classics yeah
3: in the a car, car with her i'll say hey check this song out you know just to try to yeah just show her somebody and she's really taken to it in yeah and um, so now every time we record something every time i'm working on something like for uh, example only in God. I was adding like percussion elements stuff and whatnot to it, and she was sitting right next to me. Oh, and I was thinking, on. what do you think about this cymbal swell? What do you think about this? I'm yeah, going to yeah, use yeah. the shaker, the tambourine, you know, and like she's like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That's good. that's good. That's <laughs> good. She, that's she, she me, she's like, no, that yeah. sounds kind of weird. Maybe we we'll turn that down, you know? And, like, yeah, yeah, she yeah. Gives me- oh, that's but great showing her you know i love she's getting gonna,
0: her opinion. she's gonna end up being the music producer in the family that's great <laughs> yeah. uh nick and nikki i'm really excited that you're actually putting together an album because i'm still old school i know people are releasing singles now that seems to be the thing but i love albums because especially yeah. when it's like a soundtrack you want to sit and listen to the whole thing beginning to end and i'm really looking forward to the Mass of holy presence because we're always looking for masses mass settings yeah. to do it in our i know in our my parish so um yes. i'm looking forward to something that's going to really lead people to a, a deeper uh sense of worship and adoration during mass so thank you it's been really good connecting with you guys and uh keep keep it up keep sending music because the more music the more we can have you on the show
3: okay oh, wonderful <laughs> thank you thank you so much for having
0: all us. right take care You can find out more about Nick and Nikki Garza at their website, nickandnickygarza.com, but be sure to look them up on Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. If you missed any part of this conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head on to our website, azimedia.org slash podcast. And here now are Nick and Nikki Garza with their setting of Psalm 93, The Lord is King. Listening to Nick and Nikki Garza with their setting of Psalm 93, "The Lord is King," and that will take us to the end of the program this week. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. But if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at esolmedia.org/podcasts. If you are on social media, you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram, or email me, Pedro at esolmedia.org. I respond to every single email or message that I receive. Next week we'll be featuring a new mini-series titled Indigenous Voices where we will bring you in-depth conversations with Indigenous Canadians from all backgrounds. We hope to continue with this series throughout the year. I hope you will join us for that next week. Please keep us in your prayers as we travel with the delegation to Rome to meet with Pope Francis. Pray that what needs to be said is said and that this can truly be an important step on this journey toward healing and reconciliation. And we continue to pray for peace in Ukraine. Remember to stay safe, continue praying for each other, and take care of each other, and have a continued blessed Lenten season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The Saltonite Hour.